Welcome back to another episode of Broken, the Suspicious Death of Aladar and the End of Horse Racing's Golden Age. I'm your host, Denise Cueto. And I'm Fred Cray, the author. So this past weekend, you were in Kentucky, which was great timing because the Kentucky Derby was going on. Can you tell us a little bit about your trip? Well, it was a sad derby. There were a lot of deaths that were not explained. Uh, There were a lot of scratches. Uh, I felt there was a pall over the Derby this year. In my lifetime, I've never seen any event with this many fatalities. And nobody likes to go to an event where a horse is injured, let alone dies. So it was kind of a sad Derby. I didn't go to the actual Kentucky Derby. I went to Keeneland to celebrate it with video cameras in the infield. What's Keeneland? Where's Keeneland? Keeneland is in Lexington, Kentucky. Kentucky Derby is held in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So they're two different places. But Keeneland is a small, very nice, intimate track where the the, uh, bluegrass stakes is held. And if you remember, Aladar ran in a bluegrass stakes before the Kentucky Derby. And that's where Calumet is located. It's, It's within... I know, a couple miles of Keeneland. There is at Keeneland an Aladar bar. Yeah, you did. I saw the pictures. Which I posted on my social media. This has been a bit of a rough year as far as the Kentucky Derby is concerned. There have been, as you said, um, numerous unexplained horse fatalities. Did you feel that somber mood? Were things a little more mellow than what you would expect? When the Kentucky Derby was actually run, the crowd was excited. It didn't seem that the crowd was concerned about that. I think they live in the moment, and that's what horse racing is all about. But I personally felt, I'll just say this. I mean, I think it's really tough when you go to probably the biggest race in horse racing in the United States, and your thought is, can they just finish without getting hurt? That's what you think. When it gets to that point, um, it's, it's, it's not a good look for horse racing. It's not a good public relations situation. And frankly, I think it's had an impact on the reception of Broken because I think Broken is a negative story for horse racing. And I think based on all that's happened in the last couple of weeks, I don't think there'll be any track or any library that's connected to horse racing that will have me for a signing. Hmm. And have you reached out to any? And I mean, well, I reached out to the blood horse, and the blood horse said, "Well, we think this has already been covered," and, which I thought was ironic because it was covered by an article, a feature article by Tom Dixon, who gave his firsthand account that it was an accident. <laughs> That's how it was covered. So, I think that was code for we don't want to be associated with any other negative story about horse racing. I talked to the people at the National Museum of the Horse Racing Hall of Fame, and they said to me, look, you know, any other time we might host a signing for you, but not now, which to me meant, again, we we don't need any more negativity for horse racing. Hmm. Horse racing is at a crossroads. I think this is such a premier event, and to have, I think at this point, it's seven horse deaths. I think horse racing will go on, but I think if there isn't some answer given about what's happened to these horses that have broken down during races or right after races, I don't know. It's a tough time for horse racing, and I think what will happen is things will go on as usual. You know, they had a time when there were 30-plus deaths at Santa Anita in one meet, but 
what happens is people forget, they get back to the joy of winning and uh, the joy of this, the competition and things go back to the way they were. But on my social media, I'm seeing a lot of people wondering if they can continue to, to support the sport. Right. Yeah, I know following the media, uh, kind of the same sentiment. Um, you know, should it stop? Should it continue? Um, so it will be interesting to see what comes of the investigation and the cause of death and where horse racing goes from here. Yeah, a lot of people I've said who are really big horse racing enthusiasts have just said, I don't know. Hmm. And so how do you feel? I mean, you're an animal lover, a horse lover. How do you feel about these deaths and about horse racing and its future? I think it's too many. I think that uh, what there are two sides to the argument. The, the, the one argument is that, this, this, that racing is not risk-free, that we've gotten down to less than 2%, maybe 1.5. I don't remember the exact numbers of... Of, of fatalities in a racing season. But when you see seven in, you know, a, eight days or however many day, days it was, it's just too many. And it's it's either an incredibly unlucky streak or there's something wrong that needs to be addressed. Nobody wants to see, I don't think anybody who's a, a horse racing fan wants to see a horse injured, let alone uh, have a fatal injury. But the difference between this and regular athletes is that regular athletes get paid and they choose to do it. But horses don't get asked, do you want to do this? They don't choose to do it. They are at the mercy of the stewardship of people. And as we know, uh, they're bad people in all walks of life. And racing is particularly susceptible to the part of people that is the worst. If you bet on a horse and you want them to win and you can pay another jockey to hold the other horse back, people have used electric buzzers to shock their horse at the finish line. There's now a lot of doping in horse racing with performance-enhancing drugs. You know, I, I'm very torn about it, and I don't really know what I feel about it. I feel on one hand that for every story of negativity about horse racing, there's a glorious story of winning and trying and giving it everything you have. Um, but really the, this year's Kentucky Derby has really shaken my feeling about uh, horse racing and what needs to be done to make it safe. The day after Alidar was injured, Terry McVeigh went to Calumet at 9 o'clock in the morning and was told by Calumet, you're not allowed to come in. And you know, nobody's heard of Terry McVeigh. They don't even know he was involved, but everybody's heard of Tom Dixon. All right, so you get a page. Yeah, I get a page. Remember what time? It was after 10. <laughs> Sometimes it's probably getting closer to 10.30 by that time, okay. I'm guessing. I'm Terry McVeigh, and I'm the insurance adjuster that was with uh, Equine Adjusters and the representative for Golden Eagle Insurance Company regarding the Aladar death. Now, Terry McVeigh worked for Tom Dixon, and Terry McVeigh was called because there were two insurance policies. There was Lloyd's of London, and then there was Golden Eagle. Lloyd's of London had 36, $36.5 million, and Golden Eagle had $5 million. And so 
Golden Eagle gets a call, and, and, and they're told, hey, uh, Aladar broke his leg. They hire Terry McVeigh. I was to contact the farm, go out there and represent Golden Eagle's interests, talk with the veterinarian, mm-hmm. um, anybody else around there, uh, you know, that knew anything or supposedly knew anything. And uh, I was turned away. Is this uh, a normal thing? No. Okay. No. Highly unusual. So he goes over in the morning to Calumet, and they won't let him in. He goes back to his office, and he calls his boss and says, hey, they won't let me in. The boss says, well, I'll take care of that. He calls them and says, listen, if you don't let him in, we're not paying. You're not going to get that $5 million. And why didn't they want to let him in? That's not clear. Mm-hmm. But what we, do, what we do know is clear is what happens next. And that is when he goes back at 2 o'clock and he gets to the stall, it's fixed. And all the evidence is gone. The broken bolts are gone. The bracket is screwed back in where it was. And according to Terry McVeigh, he looked at the stall and he said, it's, it's been sanitized. The stall had been cleaned and mucked. It had fresh straw down. Uh, the walls had been painted. And I'm thinking, how did you all find time to do this, you know, in the midst of this horrible, you know, injury that's happened to the most valuable horse on the farm. I never thought of this, but he said, you know, if a, if a horse is struggling around and, you know, trying all this stuff, the hay is going to be disturbed. When he went in there, the hay was perfectly manicured. In his mind, they had completely sanitized the stall. He said, there was nothing for me to take pictures of. Everything was as if nothing had happened. Now you ask, what was he thinking? Mm-hmm. He was thinking, this is, this is not right. There's something wrong with this claim because number one, guess what? Tom Dixon never knew it was fixed the next day. So in all of his reports to Lloyd's, he doesn't say, by the way, it was kind of fishy that, you know, the next day they fixed it. Another question that was raised by the FBI guy, why doesn't Tom Dixon that night say, look, we got 36 and a half million. Don't touch anything. Don't fix anything. Leave everything the way it is. Then if they did something, at least he could say, well, I told him don't do that. But he never said anything about that. I think he wasn't even thinking that. I think he was thinking, hey, it's an accident. This is Calumet. This is a horse that's, that has no financial reason to be, to be injured intentionally. And that's what drove that investiga- his investigation. But now here's Terry McVeigh the next day thinking, I don't see how he could break his leg. There's no evidence. There's not anything on the door. Nothing. And was McVeigh given a reason as to why they had to fix it and sanitize it already? No, because he never, what he did was after that happened, he he went through the same drill that Tom Dixon did, which is, okay, Mr. Lundy, what happened? Now Lundy has a different story. J.T. Lundy says, well, we think that he kicked the door out, and when the door came down, this is a little bit different than what Bramley says, when the door came down, it hit his cannon bone and broke it. Now, that story has never been heard since. J.T. Lundy told him that the, the bolts that hold, held the roller bracket in were rusted away from urine from the horses in their stall, and he kicked it, and, and, and you know that, that's what happened. Now, what's interesting about that is Tom Dixon never knew that, and he never told Lloyd that, that the bolts were rusted or that the stall had been repaired. What's ironic is that Terry McVeigh knew more about the about this investigation than Tom Dixon did on the second day. He knew that everything had been thrown out. He knew it had been fixed. 
he knew they didn't let him in. So to me, the only, in my opinion, the only conclusion you can draw from this is they didn't let him in because they were fixing the stall. What did you do next? You've, you've taken your pictures. You've talked to uh, Lundy. Anything Bramlage. else you can, you, know, you talked to Bramlage when you first got there. Yeah. Um, talk to anybody else? Like I said, I don't recall really saying, talking to Tom Dixon at all, other than just, you know, cordially, you know, acknowledging, you know, him. And I think towards the end, <clears throat> before everybody was getting ready to leave, uh, you know, for the day. This as would be the 14th. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, uh, you know, the plan was to meet the following day at 8 o'clock a.m., and, you know, that Dr. Bramlage would be there. I understood that Dr. Baker was going to be there. And, of course, Dr. Linda Rhodes. <clears throat> and, of course, I fully expected Tom to be there. And JT and, you know, whoever else. So you're saying that after you talked to Lundy, basically, for that day, it was getting towards the end of the day. And everybody said, okay, we've done what we're going to do today. We're going to... Aladar's had his surgery. We're going to see how he's doing. And we'll reevaluate we'll re him tomorrow morning at 8. Hopefully uh, that we were going to have uh, better luck than what Dr. Bramlage, you know, basically predicted, which was a very minimal chance of recovery. So what happened the next day? Uh, I'm on the way out to the farm, and I would have been there before 8 o'clock. <clears throat> and then I get a call from the farm from Susan McGee and said, well, uh... You know, Aladar's been euthanized. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm like, what? You know, and she said, well, they all met here at 7 o'clock. And, uh, you know, rather than at 8, nobody had informed me that there was a change in plans. So uh, I went on out to the farm, and uh, I met with uh, Linda Rhodes, the veterinarian. She was the junior veterinarian. She yep. was the on-site veterinarian. She lived Correct. on the farm. Well, she basically said that, uh, you know, they met at 7 o'clock. And, of course, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, you know, I was told 8. Yeah. So I go out there, and, and Aladar is laying in, his, in, in the stall that he was in. He had been placed in a sling uh, afterwards because they didn't want him to put any pressure on that injured leg, knowing that it was a, a train wreck when they went in and tried to do the surgery to repair it. Right. And, uh, but he was... Uh, Laying in the stall, they had a blanket over his head, and uh, you know he had been euthanized because allegedly, uh, once they you know did an evaluation, uh, and, and this doesn't make sense, but uh, I think somebody said, "Well, let's let's take him out of the sling and let's just see how he does." Well, yeah, you know they did that, and apparently he took a couple of steps or whatever. And he falls again, but this time he breaks the femur, which right. is above the uh, cannon bone. You know, yeah. it goes from the hawk up to the pelvis. Yeah. And, you know, so this is a, a very thick bone. And once he had that, uh, you know, there was basically no question what needed to be done. Yeah. You know, because to put him through anything else, I think, would be considered very inhumane.
Alidar was buried almost immediately after he was euthanized. You know, more should have been done. They should have washed him off. They should have dressed him up like he was going to race. They should have eulogized him. And J.T. Lundy said he fought till the end, and that was it. It makes me cry when, when you discuss this in the book, when we talk about it on here, it, it's very emotional and painful. I just, I can't imagine. Well, I think when I first learned about it, I was, I was very angry about it because Alador carried that farm. I mean, yeah. He made all the money. He did everything he was supposed to in his racing career. You know, when he got behind, he tried to finish. He was courageous, determined. I was mad because I didn't feel like we were learning what really happened from the insurance investigation and the veterinarians because of the lack of evidence. But what really killed me was listening to the people around him talk about it. We heard in episode one, Paul Pryor talk about it. I cried when I heard him say how he felt. It makes you know that he, that Aladar was loved. Yeah. And I mean, just, you said it, he carried the farm. He was Calumet. And then to just dig a hole and not even give him an honorable burial and funeral, he deserved so much better than that. Well, you know, the, uh, the first page of my book is a quote from Brian Chambers, who was the insurance, the boss of Terry McVeigh at Golden Eagle. And, uh, he, he, when I talked to him, he said, you know, um, he deserved better. He deserved better for what he achieved. Writing this book, looking into it, raising these questions, I mean, that's the least he deserved. The listeners who are contacting you with, you know, ideas and questions that they have and uh, things for you to look into, that's what he deserves. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to listen to our next episode for more. This episode was produced by Ashley York and John Fee, mixed and edited by John Fee. David Amani is our production assistant and I'm your host, Denise. And I'm Fred and we'll see you next time on Broken, the podcast.